Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft Analyst Ryan Roberts. And today we are moving on with our positional rankings. We've got the big boys this week, starting off with the interior offensive linemen. And then we're going to round things out with the offensive tackles. So all big boys, a big meaty week talking about linemen. Ryan, how are we doing today? That's good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Is it, was that almost a big meaty claws reference there for a second? It sounded I like it. realized that when I was saying it and I kind of ran with it, but it was, it was a stupid way to categorize linemen. So I, 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 I look I, I, I can't allowed to, to be disrespectful to them. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I respect it. And I, and I am, uh, I am really excited for this breakdown because I think it is a really, really good offensive guard class. And obviously we're classifying both guards and centers into the interior offensive line. And I think the guard class is going to kind of buoy this one a little bit because mm-hmm. the center class ain't too pretty, man. It's not good this year. We have one guy that's a, first round caliber player and then we have a lot of who knows type of players so uh, I think offensive guard class though is is a really steady one there's a lot of depth to it as well so um, it's gonna be a good time gonna be a good time and this is actually one of my more favorite positions to to, um, Mm. evaluate actually is just interior offensive line for some reason I don't know why don't ask me well I mean it's fun watching guys pull and and knock the hell out of interior defensive linemen. I feel like it's, there's a lot less complication than with offensive tackles because it's like, how does he move in space? How long are his arms? With guards and centers, it's like big, strong man move other big, strong man. It's a little, a little bit more simplified. Yes, exactly. And I almost, I, almost, down. <laughs> I almost made people really angry on this list, Joe. I just kind of want to put this out in the universe before we start. Uh-oh. I do have a offensive tackle convert on here that has not played guard in college, and I almost threw Ike McQuanu on at number one, but I mm. refrained from doing that because everybody was going to mm. yell at me, even though I do think, disclaimer, I do think that Ike McQuanu is probably best inside long term, but that uh, that's a conversation don't, for a different time, I don't, guess. Don't tell our listeners that, but you, you hit on, going into the overview view of the class, you hit on how there's a lot of really good guards in this class and it's kind of a sneaky good year for guards and tackles. We're obviously only talking about the guards today, but the centers, man, that's, that's where the problem lies. We lose out on Jert Patterson from being in this class, Uh, Stromberg also not in this class. So it's, it's really just Tyler Linderbaum. And then like you talked about a lot of who and what if at the rest of this group. So if you need a center, it's kind of Linderbaum or bust. No, it is. I mean, we, we fell into the tough situation where I was actually very excited about the center class going into the, you know, coming out of the summer because you just kind of assumed 
Jared Patterson from Notre Dame would be a part of the class. Ricky Stromberg Jr. from Arkansas may be a part of the class. But when those guys both went back to school, Joe, unfortunately, that really killed the depth up top. So we are literally, like I said, there's Linderbaum. I think there's one or two centers I would be interested in on day two. And then there's a lot of day three UDFA types. So there's just not depth in this class at all. And there's definitely not depth up top. So before we get into discussing this class, folks, I just want to tell you about today's sponsors. We have two today, the first being Bet Online. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally here. And your back, your bracket's probably already busted and you probably are pissed off like I am. Doesn't mean you can't have some fun and make back that measly $20 that you put in to be a part of the bracket challenge that your, you know, your company uh, pool or whatever. And if you're looking to wager, go to bet online for all of your updated odds and info, along with the greatest contests, including their bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home top prize, which obviously you can't join anymore. Thanks for that being in the read. Head over to, to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, Ryan, we got to tell our listeners about Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of cu- in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, Ryan. We don't have an overhyped guy today. We were... uh, Discussing before the show, and we came to the conclusion there's really not anybody that's been overhyped. The the hype for the interior group has been justified, and everybody's kind of been slotting into where they fit best. So we decided to go with not one, not two, but three sleeper picks for the interior offensive line class. And first up, you have Joshua Zaydu from North Carolina, probably mispronouncing that. I apologize to him, and you're scoffing at me because I am. But he was a part of a really, really terrible offensive line at North Carolina, making him very overlooked. What are your thoughts on him? Because you seem to speak very highly of him as you did before the show. Yeah. Um, so Joshua Azudu is how I, pronou- I believe pronounce Azudu. And it was a real shame for Joshua because I actually left the summer. I kind of got a little glimpse of him for a couple games. And I'm just like, kick can play a little bit, man. Like, I like him. I, I like him a ton, actually. For UNC, and he got lost a little bit on that offensive line because, to be very frank and to be very honest with everybody, that was one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. 
like Jordan Tucker, Racine Richards, like it was Marcus yeah. McEthan who's in the draft. Like it, it's just not a great group. So I feel like Azudu got kind of lost in the shuffle and he was so good for them. I mean, uh, uh, compared to everybody else that they, even though he's a natural guard, they were asking him to play left tackle at points too. So he kind of, I think he kind of fits a little bit. He's kind of like this year's poor man's Kenyon green a little bit. He's been asked to play all over for UNC. He's definitely a better fit inside a guard. And I think he has starter level traits. Cause I think he has some natural power to him. I think he could display scouts. I think he's, he's foundationally a very solid athlete across the board. I wouldn't call him like overly explosive. I wouldn't call him a, a dynamic athlete at the position or anything, but I think that he kind of hits thresholds from a size perspective. I think he's a good athlete. I remember, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he had a pretty good com- combine testing as well. So I think Joshua Zudu is a starting caliber player long-term. I think uh, immediately you're going to get a backup type player who I think could play both guard spots, could get you out of a game at tackle and a pinch, and maybe even could pro- profile as a center potentially down the road. But I think he has those traits to work with, and I think that long-term he could be a starter for a team. I think he's going to be an excellent value because I think he's being underrated a little bit just because of the just – bad that was around him man like he was just it's hard to be a good offensive lineman on a bad unit sometimes like we saw with that with Jared Patterson this year from Notre Dame like he suffered because the guys around him just weren't as good and I feel like Azudu kind of suffered from that a little bit as well but I think the the traits are enough that I think he definitely should get drafted I think that he has starter upside down the road yeah been unexpected to hear about any North Carolina North Carolina offensive lineman because all you heard the whole year was how it was hindering Sam Howell from him becoming the player that he could possibly be. But there's still some players amongst that group, as Azudu is one of them. The second sleeper you have, who we were saying this beforehand, I, I don't know how much we consider him a sleeper at this point because everyone has talked him up, me including, have, have talked this guy up. Cole Strange, University of Chattanooga offensive lineman, not really a, a name that people knew going into the senior bowl. And he goes with his, his hard hat and his lunch pail to, to Mobile. And he's just grappling with guys in these one-on-ones. And he looks mean. He looks strong as he was bumped inside to play center. And he also was snapping pretty well, which was, was interesting to see from him. He also goes to the NFL Combine, tests very well, looks really good in these drills even though it's kind of hard to consider a guy who's gained so much buzz a sleeper, I think it still is fair because he's going to be a mid-round guy that can step in and, and have an impact for a team maybe down the line. But what are your thoughts on, on Cole Strange? I mean, to be completely honest, like I just did not want to go through this show without mentioning Cole Strange because I think he's been one of the biggest risers throughout the process. And I remember when we did our Senior Bowl preview show where we, t- I, we talked a lot about the – FCS offensive linemen that were coming to, to Mobile with, of course, Trevor Penning, who everybody knows now, Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah, Matt Willetsko out of North Dakota, Nick Sakel, who did not have a good week coming out of Fordham. Those were kind of a few of the guys we talked about. And, you know, we mentioned Cole Strange, but Cole Strange, I feel like it wasn't getting talked about as much because he's an interior offensive lineman compared to those guys who are like more true offensive tackle types. And I was overly impressed by what he did in mobile because I thought even you know guard or center first of all he's only started at guard during his Chattanooga career every 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 game in his career was playing guard and he had a dominant performance this year against Kentucky when they played up against Kentucky and that was kind of the game that kind of caught you off guard a little bit 
and he goes to Senior Bowl, and he just looks like he belongs all week. And he has a really – it's almost like a slender frame, but, like, he's mm-hmm. very strong. And I think that he can still add more weight on it, but he's just got some really nice an- anchor strength. I think he's a good athlete. He can move. I, I, I think that a lot of wide zones teams are really going to like him at center and guard. I think the power schemes are going to like him as well because I think he just has natural power, and I think there's developmental potential to him as well. You saw that he could snap a little bit. And my favorite thing about him, Joe, at the combine especially, I mean, not at the uh, sorry, at the senior bowl especially, was he would lose a rep, and then the very next rep he would win. And you would just see that growth. You would see that he really cared and that it kind of bugged him that he lost a rep. And he took advantage of, of the reps that he got, at least for second opportunity. So I think Cole Strange is starting caliber center moving forward at, on the NFL. Like, I think it's very possible. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes somewhere in the third round on day two because I think that the wow. combine kind of put in apostrophe or a, a, a uh, apostrophe. What the hell did I say? Apostrophe. It put, it put an exclamation Aspect. point. Oh, put an exclamation even better. point. On, <laughs> yes, even better. Put an exclamation point on his draft process because I think that he had – he did about as well as he could have with the opportunity he had. And, I mean, hats off to Cole Strange. I think that he is maybe the biggest riser of the interior offensive line group. Like, he was a guy that nobody was really talking to going into the season, and now we're leaving – the combine mm-hmm. and pro day circuit with uh, kind of assuming that he might be a top 100 pick. So good on Cole strange. Yeah. And everyone talked about that demeanor for Trevor Penning during the senior bowl, but I think Cole strange definitely deserves some, some recognition for how he looked in those drills. The last sleeper you wanted to bring up was Zach Tom from wake forest. And you don't really hear a lot about these wake forest guys, despite them having a really good year this past year competing for an ACC championship. What made you pick Tom as a sleeper? He's a little bizarre because he has played left tackle at Wake Forest and he's played center. He's never played anywhere else mm-hmm. but those two spots. And you don't really see that combination too well. He actually had decent tape at offensive tackle, to be honest, because he's a really athletic kid. He's got a very clean frame, good pass protector. It's, I mean, if a team wanted to try him out at offensive tackle, I wouldn't doubt it just because he hits the 6'4 plus. He's got 33-plus-inch arms, and he's a really good athlete. So I would say, okay, you can give him a shot at tackle. But ultimately, I think long-term, like this is kind of the guy as a developmental center that could sneak into day two or maybe somewhere in the fourth round. I think that that's Zach Tom this year because he's a really fluid athlete. I think those wide zone systems especially are going to be like, yes, I can work with that kid all day because he has exceptional movement uh, movement skills. I think he would also play guard in a pinch, and I think that there's still things that need to develop as far as – you know, his, his just power in the run game is displacement power. But I think it, you see, you see some power profile as a pass protector, because I've seen him kind of sit down on power a little bit and have some anchor. So I think it's there a little bit. He's just kind of another slender frame guy that I think can still mm-hmm. develop, but I think that he can be a wide zone specific center at the next level, maybe starting type of option. I think that some teams may look at him also and say like, Hey, we're going to start you at an offensive tackle. We're going to see if you can last there, even though you're, you're, Length is, you know, kind of middle tier type of thing. Like it's very middling, but he's got really nice movement skills and he's a very talented player and he had some good tape. I mean, maybe the best tape I saw this year against Jermaine Johnson uh, coming out of Florida State. Like he had a pretty solid game going against him. So I think Zach Tom, especially the combat, because I think he ran like sub five seconds. So like he showed that he's a very good athlete for the position. And I think that he, another guy that I think has starter caliber traits, I think he needs a little more development than maybe a couple guys we're going to talk about, but I could see, I could see the, I could see the step that he could take to being a starting caliber player. Like I think it's possible for him. 
All right, let's get into these top five rankings, Ryan. And the first player that you have is Dylan Parham from Memphis, uh, a guy who was, if I recall correctly, considered to be a little underweight and then comes in at a weight that the that scouts were looking for at the senior bowl. And the guy has a little bit more of a developmental upside to him. But here you have him at number five. What made you go with Parham at the, at the bottom of this? The one thing I have to say about Parham, I feel like he seems – not odd amongst the rest of these other guys, but like the four other guys that we're going to go through all make uh-huh. total sense. There's no debates about them where they sit and they're probably going to get drafted in the, in the first two rounds. Parham just mm-hmm. seems a tiny bit odd, but, but what, what's, uh, what are your thoughts on him? Well, I don't know if this is a hot take because I think some people would agree with it, but I, I think that he is a locked day two player. Like I would be shocked if he falls out of day two. Cause he, I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, the, the really the only qualms people have with him coming out of his Memphis career was, well, obviously long-term projection because he played some tackle. He's been inside a guard. I think he's a center long-term and because I just think that there's a little bit of an absence of length. But people talked about the size. He was listed at 285 on the roster at Memphis. And then when he got to senior bowl, people kept asking about it. He's just like, yeah, man, I haven't been 285 in years. <laughs> like That is just a, a, kind of a fault of the program not kind of updating weights and doing all that type of stuff. So he's 6'2 plus, he's two, he's 313 pounds, I believe. He weighed in at the Senior Bowl. I'm not sure what the combine weigh-in was, but he ran right around five seconds flat. Maybe even, I think he may have ran sub five. So he's a really, really athletic kid. If you, you asked me before the show, and I guess I'm going to put it out in the universe, who's the second center off the board? It may be Dylan Parham because I think that he's a really nice athlete. I think he has the weight now to him. I think that he kind of checks a lot of boxes. And he's a guy that originally was a tight end recruit. I think he played a little bit on the defensive side of the football also while, while Memphis was trying to find with the spot for him. Then he ends up obviously on the offensive line in a couple of different positions. So this kid may be the second center off the board because I think that he's a really nice athlete and he has – really solid tape and he kind of checked that last box of what's the play weight. And I think that he kind of answered that very easily for evaluators through the process. Stupid question time. Is he related to Donald Parham? Not that I'm aware, but I mean, I I've never looked it up, so I, I don't know hundred percent. I'm, I'm going to look, I'm going to look it up after we, after we get to this, this next guy. But so, cause I'm so curious, I, I, I there's gotta be, this no, well, I'll, I'll look it up. Number four. Why does, why does he? Why does he have to be? Parham's not. Dead. I don't know. It's just because Parham's not like that common of a last name for. And d- the <sighs> thing with Donald Donald Parham is that he's that really massive tight end, and he was with the Chargers. I don't know where he is right now. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. makes. And you said that Dylan was also a tight end recruit, so that immediately made light bulb go off. Wait, there's no way that they're not related. Let, let me. I'm gonna look it up after we get into. I'm gonna. This I'm, gonna I'm gonna. I'm gonna bet that they are not related. That's gonna be okay. Do you, All right. you think it's like a no doubt that they're related? You think it's? You think I don't it's think it's happen? a no doubt, but I wouldn't be shocked. There, like it, right. it would make sense. It, it, it was right. tight end, tight end, really good athlete, really good athlete, big bit. Wait, whatever. Sure, Number sure. four, you have Zion Johnson, and yes. Zion Johnson is kind of similar to Cole Strange but to a, a bigger extent mm-hmm. has really helped himself throughout this process. Good combine, really, really good senior bowl to a point where he's being talked about maybe at the end of the first round and the Boston college interior offensive lineman has really flashed that strength. We talked about that natural strength that Cole strange has 
Zion Johnson certainly has that as well. So for you, a number four seems so late for an interior offensive lineman, but the reality of it is there's a, there's still a really good shot that he goes at the at the end of the first round. Yeah, I mean, he could go higher than he is on my list also. Like if he was the second or third interior offensive lineman off the board, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I think the floor for him is going to sound kind of weird, but I think 29 to Miami just because they had Matt Applebaum, who was the former offensive line coach at Boston College. I feel like that's just like an easy pick to make if he has a say on what offensive lineman he wants. And I know Miami hasn't – they've signed Connor Williams from Dallas and free agency, but like they still need to upgrade <laughs> their offensive line just in general. So – uh, I think that he's a player that is going to probably go in the first round. Like you said, he had a dominant senior bowl performance outside of Jermaine Johnson may have had the best week of just any player. I mean, he was, he was pretty much locked down for most of the week. I mean, he, he let up a couple reps, but I mean, for the l- large majority, he was pretty much locked down and he's four on this list because I see good traits all across the board, but I don't see anything elite with him. I think he's just going to be a very good starting guard for a long time, but I think a guy, a couple guys in front of them have traits where I say if they hit, I think that they could be something just a caliber higher. That's just kind of why Zion is sitting at four, but I think that he's, I have a second round grade on him. I think he's going to go in the first round. I think he's just rock solid across the board. Nothing flashy, but he hits all the thresholds in terms of size in the, uh, for the offensive guard position. He's got incredible length. He's got power and he's got, and he's a solid athlete all the way around. So I think Zion Johnson is, is about much as of a can't miss prospect as you're going to find in this class. Cause I don't, I just think that the floor is so high with a guy like him. Yeah. Zion Johnson has, has been such a highly talked about name throughout this process. And it, and again, it feels odd considering an interior guy that's fourth on the list to be a first rounder, but you know, here we are. Zion Johnson certainly fits that bill. And right in front of him, Darian Kennard from Kentucky, who I think these last three guys were early top favorites at the beginning of the class. And here they are slotting in that general range yet again. Kennard from Kentucky was formerly a tackle, expected to bump inside. And him bumping inside is really going to help his draft projection. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kennard? Yeah, and he's the he's the offensive tackle conversion that I was talking about. He had only played right tackle at Kentucky his entire career. I think he played left tackle maybe like one game as well. So he's been a tackle his entire career. And this is probably the one that people are going to argue with the most because, I mean, I honestly was – I mean, my grades are very close with the Zion Johnson and Darian Kennard. And the reason that I put Darian in front of him again is that I just think that the upside is a little higher than a Zion. The floor is higher, though, with Zion. I'll be very forthcoming with that. But I really do like a lot what I see Darian Kennard playing inside. I am not a fan of him in offensive tackle. I think that he can get by, like if he gets drafted by a Baltimore Ravens type of scheme, right? Like that type of scheme, a Tennessee Titans type of scheme. I think that he could last at offensive tackle, at right tackle. But I don't think it's advantageous for his career. I, I He reminds me again, and I keep putting this comp out there. Kalecio Semele is a guy that he reminds me a lot of that came out of Iowa State. He was a really good offensive tackle for Iowa State. Eventually he moves inside to guard for the Oakland Raiders and the uh, originally the Baltimore Ravens and the Oakland Raiders. And he was just a really good player for a long time. And that's what I see with Darian Kennard, man, because he's got, I mean, he's right around six foot five. He's got 34 plus inch arms. He's a big, massive dude. He lost some weight to, to play at the senior bowl at tackle. And he was like 320 something pounds, but he's playing right around 340 pounds during most of his career at Kentucky. So this is a mauling dude inside power profile, displacement power, solid, good athlete on the interior. 
um, by by every um, by every consideration. So if, if you're going to find a power heavy scheme like the Ravens, like the Tennessee Titans, I talked about a little bit. I think Darren Kennard's a plug and play right guard, left guard, and I think that he could be a really dominant one in the right system. Slotting in at number two is a guy who I think if you don't watch him play. Physically, he's he's kind of under the thresholds that you look for in a center. But when you flip on the tape, you see how athletic this guy is. Uh, you know his athletic background as a baseball player, as a wrestler. Tyler Linder, Linderbaum from Iowa is a, a really freaking good athlete. And hopping into a zone scheme, he's going to be a very high-impact player. I think had Jason Kelsey not randomly decided to come back, he would have been a, a guarantee to be an eagle if he was floating somewhere around 15 you think he's gonna he would go earlier than that well no 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 i, I was gonna say i think that it's still a possibility because i think jason kelsey may, really? this might be his last year so that might be the heir apparent jason this might still. be his last year <laughs> and, well i mean dude he's been doing it every single year and at some point it's it's going to end like jesus kelsey's gonna hang it up and i mean he's a great player still so i don't blame him for holding on a little bit but I think that I think I think it would still make sense if this was the time for, to draft the heir apparent because I think that your offensive line isn't a terrible need. Like you might need a guard potentially in in the Eagles system, but I think that they have the fortune with three first round picks of still taking that heir apparent because that center position for them has been so important. I mean, Jason Kelly's Kelsey has been a uncalculably important player for them over his career, so I think it's still possible that he could land in Philly mm-hmm. with one of those three first round picks. So separate from Philly, though, this is without a doubt the top center off the board. And like I said earlier in the show, it's almost Linderbaum or bust for a team that desperately needs a center. If if you're desperate and you can't get to Linderbaum, you better hope that you sign one in free agency or maybe maybe assume that you're not that desperate to go up and try and get a guy like this. But he seems to be uh, a clear favorite. What are your thoughts on him as, as a prospect? Well, I think you said it perfectly. This was the year to get free agent centers if you're not in that range to get Tyler Blunderbaum. Like, originally we thought Jared Patterson would be in there, Ricky Stromberg. Like, there was a couple other guys that I thought could push Linderbaum for that first potential center or at least be in that late first round, early second round type of designation. Unfortunately, they both go back to school and the center class is awful. Like, it's a really bad class. And Linderbaum's the only player that I think is worthy of a first round pick. But here's the thing about him, Joe, and you kind of illustrated it well. I mean, the guy has 31 inch arms. And he is under six foot three, and he's got a small wingspan. Like, this is not a scheme diverse player. Not every scheme is going to look at Tyler Lindbaum and say, like, you can play in our system. In a wide zone specific scheme with how the San Francisco 49ers play football, with how the New York Jets, with how the Cincinnati Bengals play football, like with those, that Shanahan style system that Kyle Shanahan originally ran, or not Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan really originally Mm -hmm. ran. For those disciples, even the L.A. Rams, like those kind of guys, then it makes a lot of sense. And Tyler Linderbaum is very worthy of a first-round pick. But if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're a team that is not a movement-based system, Tyler Linderbaum is not maybe the potential fit for you. You probably don't value him early in this draft. You probably don't value him in the first round. You might not value him at all, to be honest. So he is a scare, a very scheme specific football player but for that scheme he is a first round caliber player because he is a very gifted athlete like you said former wide uh, former wide receiver former wrestler (laughs) could you imagine yeah (laughs) i mean probably was at some point in his life but former all-state wide uh former all-state wrestler 
that the famous video, of course, went viral. It goes viral all the time where he pinned Tristan Wirfs when he was in high school, and he was a four, he was a defensive lineman early in his career at Iowa. So he's a really gifted athlete, and for that scheme, he's a first-round caliber player. And uh, I really – I mean, it's just a very easy projection to that system, but he's just not going to be for everyone. And that's kind of why he's at number two for me because I think that there's just some scheme dependency to him. But, I mean, again, for that scheme, he could be fantastic. Last up, and this is a, a, a kid that I think is immensely talented, Kenyon Green from Texas a and I, I, I require I, – I, not require – I recall back to like last January, you and I were watching – uh, oh my God! Who was the Alabama linebacker that came out last year that sucked? It didn't get drafted. You hated. Oh, Dylan, Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses. We were watching Dylan yeah. Moses tape, and mm-hmm. I go, "Who the hell is this this guard on Texas A and M?" Like I can't mm-hmm. stop watching him. And you're like, "That's Kenyon Green. Pay attention to him for next year." And you were a hundred percent right. This dude is a monster. I I'm obsessed with Kenyon Green, and as a a fan of a team that is looking to upgrade their interior, I think Kenyon Green is somebody that I want my Giants to draft maybe in the top 10, <laughs> probably a little too rich and probably isn't going to happen. But nonetheless, Kenyon Green, really freaking good. And he has to be, without a doubt, the best player in the interior in this class. Yeah, for me, he is. I mean, he's a top 10 player in this class for me specifically. I I really have loved Ken- Kenyon Green. Like you said, we watched him against the Alabama team in 2020. I remember where I was also watching him um, in um, – uh, what was his name from – Deo Odiyingbo coming out of Vanderbilt last year, who was a good football player. And, and, I mean, he was just dominant, man, in 2020. Absolutely dominant guard. And, honestly, Joe, the Texas A&M team did not do him justice this year. He he started games at right tackle, left tackle, left guard, and right guard all in the same season. And I just want to see him because, I mean, even going back to 2019 – he started every game as a true freshman, but they were all at right guard. So he started all year at right guard, all year at left guard in 2020, and then was all over the place in 2021. I want to see this kid just play one spot and see how mm-hmm. dominant he could be because you saw the moments, man. You see it. It's there. He is around six foot four, 320-plus pounds, 34-inch arms, which is why some people will probably toy with the idea of like, huh, maybe he can be a tackle, but he's a guard. He's absolutely a guard. Because what he does best, man, is he is a drive block nightmare, a down block nightmare. He displaces gaps as good as anybody in the class. Dominant, dominant, dominant run blocker. And he's got the athleticism to be very good in the pass game, which he is in spurts as well. So there are some technical issues to work on in pass for. I think he kind of he gets a little overzealous sometimes. He kind of overshoots his hands, which gets creates some balance issues. But I think it's just him kind of being over aggressive at times. Put this kid in at guard long term. Don't move him and let him be one of the best guards in the NFL. That's the upside with Kenyon Green. Well, to recap, if you're a team needing an interior offensive lineman, this is definitely the year to draft one, especially in the first round. Folks, that's going to be it from us. Thank you for tuning in at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft. Also follow the show page at NFL Prospects Pod and then hit subscribe on the YouTube channel to stay up to date on the remaining rankings. We've got tackles coming up next. We've got quarterbacks, which is going to be fun. Talking about hand size, which you know is super important and and a thing that needs to be discussed for 45 minutes. And then we're going to hit the defensive players next after that. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. We will talk to you later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.